we'll start now. <laughs> I am your host, Leo West, and joining me, as always, is the Knigget of Knowledge, Rob Frimston. <laughs> Hello. What? <laughs> the Knigget of Knowledge. What's the Knigget? Yeah, that's, you know, Knigget. Oh, right. A... You're mispronouncing the word night, aren't you? Yeah. Right. That's all that was. Did you have that one prepared for a while, did you? <laughs> <laughs> I, I take that as slander. That's what I did. Oh, this question. I, I had it. I had it prepared since this morning. Well, I have to say, one of the things that crossed my mind while I was performing my morning ablutions was performing, <laughs> and it and it is a performance. It is a performance. <laughs> was how am I going to introduce Rob today? Well, well, you've done it. I've done it. I I apologise for immediately <laughs> undermining it. Oh no, you always immediately undermine me. Yeah, well, I apologise for that. Thank you. I'm not going to stop doing it then. <laughs> well, you're not really sorry then, are you? Oh, I am. You can be sorry, but, you know, not change your ways. <laughs> can you? I think so. Can you? I think so. It's not how my mother taught me the word sorry. Did she teach you as, like, sorry? <laughs> no, it was suri. 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 I am suri. This feels like... Yeah, I don't <laughs> know what we're doing weird now. What are we doing? Rob, what are we talking about today? Today, we are going to talk about, amongst... Other things. Uh, undoubtedly, we're probably the, the, going to... The the centrepiece of what we're going to talk about is the marble arch. What's it made of? Very, very <laughs> good question. Italian marble. Carrara? Cabrara? Be, bef- it... Before we get into that, it was it was a cheap joke. I, I undermined any introduction. Carrara, I think, is a type of Carrara, marble. Carrara, okay. I undermined whatever introduction you were going to do. Didn't really have one. Okay. It's the marble so, so... arch, which is... If people want to see it nowadays, it is currently located at the northeast corner of Hyde Park. Or the, the most westerly end of Oxford Street. Yes, and conveniently, and by pure coincidence, very close to Marble Arch Underground Station. Is that, that's complete coincidence? Obviously not. That's... <laughs> what is wrong with you? I was trying to continue the bit. I was yes I know, and but I've sold, I've sold you down the river. I was yes and again, bastard. I like to lure you into coming on a little adventure with me and then stab you in the back. How ironic. That's how I get my kicks. <laughs> so, a very um, boring name then, a very, very descriptively. Yes, and well, indeed the arch itself is significantly more boring than it was originally planned. To oh, really? Be. Ah. Because the marble arch is not in the location anymore where it was originally built and it does not match the design that the architect originally intended. So it's almost completely different. Nobody so wants the bloody thing. Really? Well, the people who it was built for and near in the end didn't really want it. Well, one of them did, but he died. We'll get into this. <laughs> now, the Marble Arch <laughs> was designed, uh, conceived, by uh, the Regency architect John Nash. You know about John Nash? I have... Do you know what? I have come across the name. He was quite prolific. Well, he had a... It, he had an interesting. He had an interesting life, Mr. Nash. He was. Uh, he was one of the king's favourites, wasn't he? Uh, was it George the Third? No, George the Fourth. George. Oh yeah, Br- Br- Prince Regent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, because yeah, yeah, well, so so Nash was born in 1752, and he started uh, with an apprenticeship with a famous architect, Sir Robert Taylor. But he didn't have the most promising uh, start to his career. Basically, things didn't really go well for him architecturally wise early on. At one point, he got a thousand pound inheritance from a deceased wow. uncle, uncle, I believe it was, and blew it on building houses that nobody wanted to live in. Oh, uh, why did no one buy them? I think he did the stucco style. Right. Like, he basically did a very kind of cutting edge types of architecture that people just weren't interested in. Do um, you know, I've never thought of John Nash as a cutting edge individual. Well, he, he was he was doing things that people didn't want. One of his houses apparently stood unoccupied for twelve years. In fact, um, there's some around Great Russell Street, uh, those kind of areas. <laughs> so, so nothing's changed. 
exactly. <laughs> the last <laughs> 250 years. Uh, well, quite. Uh, not only was his, uh, his career not going terribly well, his personal life was also not going terribly well. Because in 1775, he married his first wife, a woman called Jane Elizabeth Kerr. And she well, basically... J- J- Jane Elizabeth Nash, surely. Uh, Jane Elizabeth Kerr was a maiden name, yeah, which is okay. more helpful after. under the circumstances, I think. <laughs> People can draw the line for themselves. But she... Well, Kerr... Mm. Oh, I can't believe you made that occur. Oh, that's the third one. <laughs> F- hell. <laughs> she caused him a lot of bother. Um, because she was a big spender. Hey, big spender. She ran up a lot of money with milliners, dressmakers, etc. Um, she nearly bankrupted him twice. Wow. Uh, and also they had two children. And, but, that, that, and we all know that bankruptcy. Well... To be honest, you're just never prepared. And not only that, we suspect they were not his children. Oh. Um, she was sleeping with a lot of other... People. She doesn't sound like a great wife, to be honest. Well, here's the thing. Not only is there a suspicion that the two children probably weren't Nash's, there was also suspicion, which was actually brought in front of the courts at the time, that she'd never even been pregnant. What? <laughs> she'd faked two pregnancies and then just got hold of two babies that okay, she passed off no, as hers. We, we, we've got to go deeper into this. Like, how, firstly? How would one Secondly, do that? why? 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 Why would you do that? Uh, two reasons. And giggles. Ah, both the shits and the giggles. Yeah. Um, it was never proved that that's what she did, but there but, was at least a suspicion but, that, that's, but, that that's what but she right, did. But I'm not done yet. Like, right. why, why did somebody suspect this? What, I, think like, it was, I think it was Nash himself suspected it. Where did this conspiracy come from? I don't know why, where he got the idea that, I don't think she was even pregnant. <laughs> maybe he remembered that, you know, she'd never been visibly pregnant. Or maybe he remembered a time where they'd been out in public and, you know, a bunch of pillows had fallen out of the sort of middle of her dress. <laughs> or watermelon. Who, who, yeah, <laughs> one, one giant watermelon. Just exactly. popped out. Who knows? But certainly <laughs> the... High likelihood is that those children were not his, or indeed, maybe not even hers. But <laughs> what point? At what point? So, presumably, after the kids had been, quote-unquote, born. I mean, the kids right? were born. Right? Okay, <laughs> no, 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 but let me finish, let me finish. Presumably, at some point after they'd been born, Nash took this to the court, right? Yes. So why didn't he do it at the time? At what point do you do sort of slow down and the penny drops as a husband? Like, hang on a second. I think when you realise... Was she even pregnant? I think when you realise the amount of crippling debts your spouse run up combined with evidence of the amount of other people she's sexually involved with. with. But surely, like, a kid appears, right? Right. Yeah, I I don't know... Your first thought is, hang on, you weren't pregnant. (laughs) Where's, Where's this kid I don't know. And then a second kid appears. Surely your first thought is you weren't pregnant again. Uh, Not several months down the line. Hang on a second. I'm just remembering. I would suggest the line from these are my children to to maybe these aren't my children is a fairly straightforward one. The line from maybe these aren't my children to maybe these aren't your children either is a bit more of a leap. But nevertheless, it's one he made. I'm still really incredibly paranoid. There must be a piece of information we're missing here. (laughs) Quite quite possibly. Um, But, I mean, I don't think much is known other than that it is recorded that that was a case that was brought before the court. Right. Uh, It was not proved that was the case. That probably wasn't the case, let's be honest. Um, But she caused him a lot of trouble. At one point, I think in order to try and, I guess, you know, get her out of the temptations that existed within London, he sent her to stay with a cousin in Wales... At which point she just started another affair. I was going to say. With a, with a man by the unlikely name of Charles Charles. <laughs> okay, there's a lot to unpack there. Yep. F- firstly, firstly, because there's no men to sleep with in, in Wales, I'm sure. Like, where, where, I mean, I guess fewer where, men. <laughs> where can I send this woman where she won't have an affair? Well, I know. Wales. I can understand the logic of, I don't know, say... Because all the men sleep with the sheep there. Say you had a crippling gambling addiction. Yeah. Actually, we shouldn't use that example because... Because um, of my crippling gambling addiction. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know your crippling gambling addiction. Imagine you <laughs> To live... be clear, I don't have a crippling gambling addiction. Well, you would addiction. say that. Yeah, I do. Uh, that. Imagine, I maintain that. Imagine you were living in Las Vegas. I do sometimes. And if you decided, I'm going to move to rural Wales. 
<laughs> why? Why Las Vegas? Because there's a lot of gambling available there. Right. Okay. Whereas in rural Wales, there's there's probably less gambling available. Okay, I would but you can still gamble can still if gamble. you really want yeah, to. Exactly. And that's what Jane Elizabeth Kerr did. With a man called Charles Charles. Charles Charles. A Welshman called Charles Charles. Charles Charles. Charles Charles. Are you sure that wasn't his middle name or something? There's... Oh, what, you think his name was Charles 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 Charles? <laughs> <laughs> I was just going for Charles Charles Charles, but no, Charles 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 Charles. Yeah, no, let's catch 22 yeah. this, all four of them. He was, uh, uh, he uh, ended up going to prison for adultery. Do you think they called him Charlie Charles? <laughs> Chuck Charles. Charles Chuck. Charlie Chuck. Chuck Chuck. Charlie Chuck. Chuck Charles. Chuck Charles. Chuck Charles. Chuck Charles. How much wood could Charlie Chuck Chuck if a Charles Chuck Charles could Chuck? That's where that came from. Is it? He died in jail. <laughs> Just to bring the mood down. He went to prison he for He wasn't a... able to chuck iron then. Uh, he probably had a chuckle as he, as he died alone in jail. He probably didn't. That was probably quite upsetting for him. He died alone in jail. Yeah, no, he went to prison for adultery. Um, well, died because he slept with Elizabeth Kerr. Who was married to John Nash. John Nash. Yes, indeed. So her name was Elizabeth Nash, just to be clear. I assume by that point, yes, absolutely. Anyway, it, uh, Char- um, no, not Charles Charles, he's dead. John Nash ends up bankrupt by uh, 1783. And he moves to Wales, because he's just got a real <laughs> bee in his bonnet about Wales. <laughs> clearly, clearly that was something he was planning all along, and he, he was like, right, he you said, clearly he can't have to yourself. test the waters. You can't handle yourself here, I'm packing you off early. I'll be with you in a couple of years. Don't do anything stupid. Well, as far as I can tell, what happened... And then she gets there and goes, Oh, Charles, Charles! As far as I can tell, what happened is, he was like, I'm going to stay in London, you go to Wales. Mm. That backfired. She came back to London and was like, All right, let's try the opposite. You stay in London and I'll go to Wales. I'll go to Wales. I'm in Wales now. Yeah. Wait, no, this is worse. <laughs> <laughs> no, he stayed there for a while. And they, they separated by this time. They were, they were no longer involved. And he spent a bit more than a decade, actually, in Wales. So 11 years. 14. In fact. 14. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But not quite two decades. So uh, nearly a decade and a half? Nearly a decade and a half. <laughs> uh, continuing his architectural pursuits, he eventually moved back to London in 1797 uh, and he married again to a woman called uh, Mary Ann Bradley. Was she better than the Kerr? Uh, it, it, it seems so, although we'll come back to that in a moment. He also fell into favour with the Prince of Wales. Right. It's just the way you said fell into, until you hit the word favour there, I, I, I was sure it was going to be he fell a into, bad thing. He fell into... An uh, alligator pit. A, a big ditch full of Which was dug <laughs> by the Prince of Wales. Yeah. And let's and it, be honest, you wouldn't put it past the Prince of Wales to have an alligator pit. No, that's true. That's the kind of thing he would have done. There is also, there was a suspicion that the Prince Regent was sleeping with Nash's second wife. Oh, for heaven's sake. There was a contemporary cartoon published in 1820 uh, with the quote, which is rather lovely. Was It was about the king, you know, being with, with the half dressed Mrs. Nash with the, with the quote, I have great pleasure in visiting this part of my dominions. I mean, <laughs> oh, that was quite. I mean, yeah, it's all right. Listen, that is satire, and I know it's satire because it's at least 15 years it's old. It's 250 years old. That's my level of satire. I'm all, I'm all about that. This is hot gossip for me. I've got, I've got, that's why I've got my hot takes on it. Well, what is your hot take on? Well, I don't know whether, whether, whether the Prince Regent was. Sorry. The, that's a rather cool Well, at the take. time, the Prince Regent. I mean, I mean, people have even speculated that maybe the whole thing was a front. Because apparently Nash was not a handsome man. Wait, they weren't even married? No, no, but as in, Nash was, by all accounts, not a handsome fella. Mary Ann Bradley was, by all accounts, a very attractive woman. I think, this is, I think that the suspicion is that possibly Nash... It's there not, is, it's there not is, all about looks, Rob. There is a suspicion... I know you're a, a, a glamorous fellow, but it's not all about looks. There was a potential speculation that maybe she was the mistress of the Prince Regent and Nash had married her to kind of... Legitimise her. Yeah, basically. Good Lord. But possibly not. And that is maybe why the Prince Regent likes him. And hired him so often. Well, exactly. That's possible. It does add up, doesn't it's, it? It's entirely possible. It does add up. Either way, he, he and his wife fall into the favour of the Prince of Wales, who, of course, later becomes the Prince Fell into of... his bed, let alone his favour. Nash just fell into a bed. And a, also... different, a different bed to... <laughs> he fell wife. over a lot, Nash. Not steady on his feet. But he fell into the favour with the Prince of Wales, who, of course, later becomes the Prince Regent, and mm-hmm. later still becomes King George the Fourth. Indeedy. Uh, and at this time, he has a bit of a boom in his architectural career. Cause... Because Prince Regent liked spending money, right? Yeah, and during Basically. the Regency period, uh, he gave a lot of architectural commissions. 
to John Nash, including Regent Streets, Regent Park, the Carlton House Terrace, mm -hmm. and crucially, the redevelopment of Buckingham, Buckingham House oh, yes. into Buckingham Palace. I, 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 we'll, I'm sure we'll talk I mean, about we'll, this. We'll pick that up later. Like I'm sure we're going to do a Buckingham Palace episode. Yeah, I'm yeah, sure yeah. we will. But uh, but just the, the brief version for now is that Buckingham House was built for John Sheffield, the Duke of Buckingham, mm -hmm. between 1702 and 1705. Uh, George III bought it mm -hmm. from, by then, Sir Charles Sheffield, John Sheffield's son. He bought it in 1761 mm -hmm. for £28,000. Yep. Uh, I thought you said this was the brief version. This Rob. is the brief version. This is, what's the Listen, long version? At some point, I'm sure we'll do, do a two-hour bumper special about <laughs> Buckingham Palace. I'm sure we will, but we won't... I can't think of any more details. £28,000, which would be four million in today's money. Oh, for heaven's sake, you've it, even converted it. And you've he, even converted of it. Of course I have. And he gave it to his, uh, to his, his wife, Queen Charlotte. Is that right? Uh, I don't know actually. Yeah, I believe it was. I think it was Charlotte, uh, and they became known as the Queen's House. So it belonged to the royal family. It was not originally their palace, and uh, the Prince Regent had John Nash redevelop it, tasked with converting Buckingham House to become Buckingham Palace, with the intention of no, 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 no. We don't. We don't need any more. Brief version. Brief version. So let me tell you about. Stop Buckingham yourself! <laughs> Stop yourself! This is a Marble Arch podcast. Right. Not John Nash's this, life. Uh, not Buckingham. We Paris. are about to get to the Marble Arch. The John Nash story. Just a bit of just a bit of contextualisation. Okay. Okay. So George the Fourth, with the intention of making it his home, has John Nash convert Buckingham Palace. Now, one of the things that he does, John Nash, is he decides to build an arch. So wait, this wasn't part of the commission. It wasn't asked for. It was uh, an artistic flair by Nash. Well, no, no. They, they were. It was. It was to be of the the, the, front, the facade. The, yeah, the, the front entrance. Because at the time, and again, brief version is the famous. The famous bit of no. This is important. The famous bit of Buckingham Palace that we all recognise, the East Wing, did not exist at that time. Yeah, it was basically a sort of squared off horseshoe, mm -hmm. and the site which is now the East Wing is where Nash intended to build this arch to be like the ceremonial front entrance of the rest of the uh, of the palace. So it's now now considered the rear though, isn't it? Uh it still was at the time, I think. Yeah. Oh yeah. So this would be the back entrance then. Essentially, yes. Yeah. Yeah, at the back of the like what a thing to put in your back entrance. So, he designs the marble arch in 1825 and he commissions an architectural model of it in 1826 and this Whilst it was never intended to be an exact proxy for what the finished thing would look like, this is the best indicator we now have of what he had originally intended for the full and complete marble arch. Mm. And it had been intended to be a, uh, a triumphal arch, which was to be a celebration of... The Napoleonic War, surely. Yes, more specifically, Wellington and Nelson Ugh. and George IV himself. Oh, come on! Basically... What did the Prince Regent do? What did the Prince Regent do? Well, it was George IV who wanted the statue himself on top of it. Right. Yeah. That so, doesn't surprise me at all. No, well, quite. Now, uh, this architectural model, by the way, is in the V&A. The Victoria Albert Museum. For the Uninitiated. And uh, I have gone to see it. Of One course. of the best museums in London. I'm not a big fan of it. Really? I, just, I find it quite tedious. Really? Yeah. I really like it. You. <laughs> no, the thing is, it's fine. I'm just like, uh, there's just not a lot there that's of great interest to me. I just prefer other museums. Uh, However, uh, much to my own chagrin, I, I forced myself inside. <laughs> Sorry, that's an awful phrase. I don't know why I said that. I said the Prince Regent. Oh. Said the Prince Regent to God damn it. I went there to the V&A, reluctantly against my will, to have a look at this architectural model. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting thing to see if you get the chance. In simple terms, it was going to be taller than what it is. Above the arch as it now exists, there was meant to be an extra layer of sculpted friezes around the edge and on top the equestrian statue of George. Equestrian IV. being, of course, a statue of a man on a horse. Yes. Yes. Of man, crucially, sitting on a horse. And that statue, there is an equestrian statue of George IV, right? In. Oh, I'm being fingered. <laughs> I've been told to stop. There is an equestrian statue of... Of George IV in Trafalgar Square, right? Is there? Is there not? I never noticed. I, really? It's it's the one on the back right. Oh, is that George IV? I think so. 
In the oh. north, in the northeast corner. I can just confirm that if you want. No, no, no. no I'll, I'll take your word for it. No, fair enough. Yeah, oh. yeah, it is. It's the one outside uh, St Martin's in the fields. Oh, there you go. In the in the northeast corner of uh, Trafalgar, Trafalgar Square. Square. Oh, fair enough. It was created in 1843. There you go. Yes, well, there you go. So and we'll talk more about equestrian statues around Tra- <laughs> around Trafalgar Square next week. Oh, good, excellent! I look forward to that. Yeah. Uh, so the the freezes, what they were meant to show was basically half military history, half naval history. Do, do you want to maybe explain what you mean by the word freezes for the uninitiated? Oh well, a, 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 a sculpted. It's a sort of like sort a of scene. relief. Yeah, yeah, a, a sculpted scene in in sort of like Into slightly three D. I guess yeah, you'd call yeah, yeah. it. A, like a you like you'd see above the doors of uh, of sort of Greeky. Buildings. Yeah, so not flat. Yeah, you know, three-dimensional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I um, know. I just wanted to make yeah. sure they know. And it was meant to be, so it's a tribute to the Napoleonic Wars. Of course it is. Specifically to because Nelson. bloody everything is. I know. <laughs> specifically to Nelson and Wellington, centred around the Battle of Trafalgar. Oh, oh, Trafalgar, you say? I've not heard of that battle. Fought, of course, <laughs> on... C. The 21st of October, 1805, correct. <laughs> uh, and the Battle of Waterloo, which, of course, we all know was on... Land. The 18th of June, 1815, <laughs> correct. So, yeah, basically half Nelson, half Wellington. Now, on the two ends... Honestly, this could be a, a bloody podcast about the Napoleonic War at this point. We've talked about it so bloody much. And we're not finished! <laughs> we're not finished! <laughs> we're nowhere near! Yeah. <laughs> nowhere near finished! But on the two ends, we're meant to be like kind of war memorials with, with listings of, you know, the famous famous generals, etc., for Trafalgar on one end, Waterloo on the other. The freezes were to depict... On the two ends, so hang on. The so, two ends of the arch. So, outside of the arch? You've got the arch. So, on the end of the structure. Like, you basically imagine the marble arch as a cereal box with arches cut in the middle of it. At this point, should oh, we so stop? it was meant to be three arches. At this point, should we stop and describe it in case people don't know what it looks? Well, that's like. what I was trying to do earlier. Yeah. So, well, so basically, said the Prince Regent, his <laughs> wife. <laughs> we got to run it. <laughs> it. There are three arches in it. There's the big central oh, arch, and then there's two smaller arches. Yeah, there are three arches. arches and yeah. then on the two ends of the building, we'll come back to what's on those on the actual arch. But it was intended to be war memorials carved into Trafalgar. For and Nelson and Wellington. Yeah, and to, to famous, you know, generals and leaders who've been in those... those right, battles. right, right. Now, the two freezes around the top were were dedicated, again, to, to the, the military on one side and the naval history on the other. And then just underneath the statue of George IV himself, there were to be portraits of Nelson and Wellington on the front Ugh. and on the back. So on the one because, side... do you know what? If there's one thing you can't see in London, it's a portrait of Wellington. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. So on the one side, there was to be uh, a statue of uh, a depiction of Asia, seated on a camel, Europe, seated on a horse on the other side, and in between them, a frame, which would have the portrait of Wellington. On the other side, a statue of Britannia, you know, the Roman yeah, goddess yeah, yeah, the yeah, the of Britain, yeah, yeah. Uh, with her left arm leaning on a, on, a, on a frame with a portrait of Nelson. Why not her right arm? I don't know. What's on the other side of that one? Uh, she's holding a trident. Oh, right. Uh, interesting thing. I don't know if this is deliberate or whether it was a mistake or what. On the architectural model, it does appear the faces have been put the wrong way round. Oh, no! <laughs> Because Wellington is on the naval side and Nelson is on the military side. Well, no, that's just representative of how hand in hand the navy and the army worked together to defeat Bull. the. Bull. 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 I mean, the thing is, it would be a big error even for an architectural it would model. Be huge, but I, yeah. I don't see any way that that's not a cock up. But yeah, they are. They're on the wrong side. Well, you know, I, I could have made a Prince Regent and John Nash's wife. <laughs> joke there, but I didn't. <laughs> Why not? So, by the way, the, 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 the sculptures were originally meant to be done by a sculptor called John Flaxman, but he died in 1826, so it was then distributed through uh, a, a few different people. Unprofessional, I think. I know. What a... Never leave the job man. half finished. I know, right? So it was distributed between a few different sculptures. Uh, Sir Richard Westmacott, Edward Hodges Bailey, John Charles Felix Rossi, and the he's doing this without notes by the way listeners like he's just i mean i have notes i'm just not i'm just looking you i'm deliberately looking, looking you in the eye while right, i say yeah, the name exactly <laughs> because f- you buddy and the george the fourth statue was to be designed by i don't oh, know how to check this oh, 
He's so, looked down. It's Sir Francis Chantry. Chantry. With, I, that's a name I actually know. Yeah, I, I don't know much about him. Um, you know, that seemed... I think... He... I think I know that because I just saw his name attached to the George IV statue that ended up being in Trafalgar Square. Well, there you go. He was to design the one that was to be on the Marble Arch. Why did it not... I'm sure this is what you're going to talk about this next. This is what's but going to be yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So, basically, everything was going well. Yeah. Everything was going according to plan... Uh, they started... Especially for John Nash's wife. Exactly. They started laying the foundations, and I'm not even going to address them anymore. They started <laughs> laying the foundations and constructing the arch in 1828. Right. Uh, although construction was quite difficult, because what is directly underneath the area, of course, is the River Tyburn. Wait. Uh, underneath Buckingham Tyburn, Palace? The Tyburn flows underneath Buckingham Palace. Uh, yeah, it would do, I guess. It didn't used to, but it's been rechanneled over time, and it now flows directly underneath Buckingham Palace. And indeed... We'll talk a little bit more about the Tyburn in a short while. Okay. But they start constructing it in if 18... If we must. They start constructing it in 1828. Uh, the friezes and panels and things are, are, are being built separately as well. And then in 1830, what happens? Uh, John Nash dies. No. Prince Regent dies. Yes. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, rather, King George IV King dies. George IV dies. Now... He'll always be the Prince Regent to me, in my heart. Yep. He's well, the Prince Regent. <laughs> That's 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 fair. So he dies in uh, in uh, in 1830, and this this basically brings everything to a halt now. Because who who succeeded him? Uh, William the Fourth. William the Fourth for seven years, and then Victoria. And then Victoria. But here's the thing. Uh, so and again, Victoria doesn't like getting likenesses of herself around the place, yeah. does she? Here's the thing: that was sarcasm. You could well quite. Everybody knows what Victoria looks like. Yeah. Likeness of um, quite yeah, yeah all William. over the place. Yeah. We all know what she looks like. One in the National Portrait Gallery. Oh. I really like the one in the National Portrait Gallery with her and Albert. And, um, yeah, good statues. Cracking statues. Cracking statues. Well, they're like... not, actually. They're in really good condition. Cracking pair of statues. Oh, you did a... Uh, yeah. I did a pun. Uh, uh, the Prince Regent and John Nash's wife. Nash. Nash was overspending a lot oh, on everything being done with the palace. And so shortly after George III died, he was shit canned off the project, basically. Right, okay. Now, is, that, is that how they, they told him it was that is, was and, canning? You and know. you're going you're gonna to love this, right? So remember, I love this. the Marble Arch's design was to feature prominent uh, statues or portraits of three people. George IV, well, uh, Nelson and that other guy. Uh, yeah. Bearing in mind, two of those three people were by this point dead. Yep. Who do you think is the last person who would want to stop John Nash <laughs> from completing this design marvel I, I know exactly who it is. It's Wellington, right? It was the it was popular, unpopular Prime Minister. Incredibly Wellington. unpopular Prime Minister yeah. Wellington. Uh, notoriously um, unpopular. Wait, you mean Nelson died? Spoilers for the Battle of Trafalgar, guys. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. This is, you know, that was in season one <laughs> of the Napoleonic Wars. Uh, no, it yeah. wasn't. That was no, right. No, yeah. that, was, that was the season finale. Uh, Wellington sacked him. And a man called Edward Glaw took over uh, the, the, the palace renovations and extensions. And what Edward Glaw is basically left with is a jumble of bits. Like an enormous kind of 3D marble arch jigsaw okay. puzzle. He's got all these various sculptures and friezes and things. The only thing he has to go off for how it should be put together is the, the model. architectural model. Nash is still alive, but he doesn't really want to play ball by now because he's a bit... Because he's been shit about having been shit-canned off the project. And also his, his wife won't sleep with him because she never did. And her lover is dead. <laughs> and her lover is dead. Uh, exactly. And his kids aren't his. Yeah. And he's just generally had a... A bit, he, bit he, of a life. I think he died quite shortly after. I think he, I think he died in 1835. He didn't oh, right. live much longer. Okay. Bloor also needed to spend significantly less. So basically, he scaled down the ambition of the Marble Arch and decided to not put the friezes and sculptures and, and, the, and the George IV statue that had already been made, he decided not to put them on top of the Marble Arch. I have a question that you might not be able to answer. Go for it. Uh, was it going to be called something different? Uh, was I'm it going not... to be called what? The, like, Napoleonic Memorial or whatever? I don't know of any official name. I assume it would have been. I assume, or, or even the Buckingham Palace Arch. Because I, I can't get over one of my... The biggest bugbear I have about Marble Arch is the fact that it is called Marble Arch. Presumably, if it had stayed where it was for longer, 
then, I mean, you'd just call it the Buckingham Palace Gateway. Yeah, or like the East Entrance to Buckingham exactly, or yeah. whatever. So it wouldn't have had that name, presumably, no. Uh, I don't know that Nash ever had a specific name in mind for it, but I assume he probably wouldn't have wanted it to be just called the Marble Arch, because it's a bit reductive, as you say. It's such a ridiculous name. Now, what you might be wondering, or what you bloody should be wondering if you're not, is what happened to all the stuff that was then not used on the Marble Arch? The answer is many different things. Many of the, <laughs> many of the freezes uh, were used in the construction of Buckingham Palace The answer itself. is, as always, overly complicated. Well, basically they were sent off everywhere. Some yeah. of them were used in the construction of Buckingham Palace itself. Mm -hmm. Some of them we honestly don't know where they went to, but several of them... That smells a bit. Well, well yeah, they're probably <laughs> just sitting in somebody's attic somewhere. Um, <laughs> massive sculptures. Can you imagine... Antique Roadshow. Well, what you've got here is a uh, a piece of the marble arch. Yeah. How did you get it? And you're under arrest. <laughs> Wait, but this has just been in my attic for 250 years. The most watched episode of the Antiques Roadshow ever. For light treason. But not everything was used on Buckingham Palace. Right. One thing they had, for example, was an equestrian statue of King George, George the Fourth. Yeah. And where do you think they took it? Maybe Trafalgar Square. Yeah, I was lying. I know exactly it's a statue of King George the Fourth in Trafalgar Why Square you... because it's the same one that was meant to be on top of the Marble Arch. You see, when I do my episodes, I allow myself to break from the structure of whatever script you've written. I know, but I wanted to think you, you got were... one over on me. Yes, indeed. It proves nothing. Indeed. It proves nothing. I was lying for narrative effect listeners. I did, of course, know that the statue in the uh, northeast North corner of the Trafalgar Square is a statue of George IV. And yes, that is indeed the statue that was supposed to be on top of the Marble Arch. Uh... But it was moved and put in Trafalgar Square uh, in uh, 1843 or early 1844, 40... around the time they opened. 43. Yeah, around the time they opened Trafalgar Square, mm -hmm. basically. Now, that I is not... I, I know that because I just looked it up. Fair enough. That is not the only bit of the Marble Arch that ended up in Trafalgar Square. Because... Is, is it Nelson? No? Is well, it something to do with the column? Here's the thing. No, it's not the column. Uh, Bloor gave several of the pieces he did, had no use for to uh, an architect called William Wilkins. Do you know what William Wilkins designed? No. In the 1830s? The National Gallery. Oh! The exterior of the National Gallery features a number of sculptures that were supposed to have been on the Marble Arch, Arch. But in some cases, adapted. Because William Wilkins wanted the building to be less militaristic. Understandable. So, for example, many of the winged victories that were meant to be on the Marble Arch... Had their wings clipped. Had their wings clipped. One of them has even been given an easel and a, and a, and a paintbrush. I mentioned, if you remember... <laughs> I just love the idea of like, taking a soldier off of the field of victory. Yeah. Here you are, mate. <laughs> Paint us something, yeah? I'm standing in front of that gallery, yeah? Just r r very still, if you can. <laughs> Have you ever noticed what is directly above the main entrance? It's a big... Oh, not directly above the main entrance. As so you go in up columns the stairs... And you've got yeah. the d there's a dome. But I, on the, Sorry, on the front on the above front the doorway. On the front facades, yeah. there, there is a... Uh, like a Grecian portico, isn't there? Or am I wrong? Do you know Do you know what the, what the sculpture is of? No. It is of, on the one side, the figure of Asia sitting on a camel, on the other is the figure of Europe sitting on a horse, and in between them, an empty frame. Amazing. That was meant to be Wellington. Amazing. That is that is the exact sculpture that was meant to hold the portrait of Wellington on the top no of the Marble idea. Arch. Not only that, now this one is a bit more difficult to find. It took me a moment, because it's directly behind a tree. But on the east side, so if you're looking at the, the National Gallery on the right-hand side, mm -hmm. go around the corner, just behind the tree, opposite St. Martin's in the Fields, mm -hmm. there is And a... that's where the, the restoration work is going on as well, I think right? so, yeah. yeah. But there is a statue up at the top of Minerva, the goddess of wisdom, yeah. holding Minerva a... McGonagall. Exactly, played by Maggie Smith. Holding a spear <laughs> in her right hand and with her left arm leaning on an empty uh... frame. And they, That's cool. And they, I know, right? I had no idea. That was meant that to be really yeah, awesome. Meant to be and in, I'm, there. in retrospect, so listeners, a few, uh, a few days ago, before we recorded this, Rob said there's going to be a tangent in this that is only going to be interesting to you and me. Is this what you were talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> because this is really cool. Yeah. I know, right? I was yeah. like, oh, there it is. And um, they converted it because it was meant to be Britannia. So they, t they replaced her trident with a spear with a and spear. turned it into Minerva. And the empty frame is still there. You can go and see it. I did just two days ago. That's cool. Yeah. 
So that's where most things gone. The other thing that we know for certain where it is, and this is where I'm going to go into one of the most self-indulgent tangents imaginable, and I'm aware we still haven't got to the present-day Marvel Arch, but we'll get there. <laughs> That's um, right. We're only 40 minutes in. Have you ever been to Regent's Place? It's very, very, near, War- it? very near Warren Street Tube Station? Yeah, because I feel like I have. I feel like I have, but only like passing through. I've never. I've never registered it, but there is one of the sculptures ended up there, and it's the frieze depicting the Battle of Cape St Vincent. Oh, it's basically just sit- sitting on top of these kind of like legs in Regent's Place, like a giant Lego brick. Basically, it's just there, and really? on the front of it is sculpted. Yeah, went again. Went to see it myself a couple of days ago, and on the front of it is sculpted this frieze about the Battle of Cape St Vincent. And again, that was meant to be from the top friezes of the Marble Arch. Oh, wow. Now, this is where, if you'll indulge me for just a moment... I won't. The thing is, there's two things about the Battle of Cape St. Vincent that I think are kind of particularly kind of badass. Yeah. I think I might know the story you're about to do. We'll find out. But, um, so basically, this we're talking Valentine's Day, 14th of February, mm-hmm. 1797, in the Napoleonic War. Everyone knows Valentine was a badass. Uh, well, quite, exactly. It's, um, it... In brief, it was a battle between uh, Sir Admiral John Jervis's uh, fleet of 15 ships mm-hmm. versus uh, Admiral Don Jose de... Cab- I'm, I'm gonna... do, you, do, do you know what? The, Span- the Spanish the Spanish Admiral, Admiral who, had, <laughs> who had 27. They actually didn't know how many ships he had at first because Nelson, at this time a Commodore, had spotted the fleet in fog, couldn't tell him how many ships there were. A uh, little, little quote here from, uh, from Jervis himself uh, on, the, on, the, on the victory. Uh, when they were trying to, to... Not the HMS Victory, the Victory. Sorry, the ship, not the fact that he right, won the battle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is on HMS Victory. On HMS Victory. And uh, the quote is between him and one of, one of the other captains. There, there are eight sail of the line, Sir John. Very well, sir. There are twenty sail of the line, Sir John. Very well, sir. There are twenty-five sail of the line, Sir John. Very well, sir. <laughs> There are 27 sail of the line, Sir John. Enough, sir. No more of that. The die is cast, and if there are 50 sail, I will go through them. Which I think is pretty badass. That is badass. That's a good way. I mean, I always think that quoting the die is cast is less badass than people think it is, because that's a damn badass thing to say the first time. Sure. (laughs) Like, when Julius Caesar said that, that was badass. Yes. But to go, I'm as badass as Julius Caesar, is not badass. Sure. However, the second half of that sentence, if there are 50, yet yeah. we're going through them, that's cool. And, all, and also, this, is, this is, cool. is a man responding to the realisation that he is outnumbered by nearly two to one. Yeah. He's just like, all right, all right, all yeah. right, I get it. But then, do you know, if I use the following phrase, do you know what I'm talking about? Which is the phrase, Nelson's patent bridge for boarding first rates. Yeah, I think I do. It's so badass. It's ridiculous. So basically, and again, I'll try and keep this as brief as possible. Nelson was on was on the ship called the Captain, confusingly enough. Yep. Joseph was sailing his ships down along the Spanish line, and then the plan was once they'd gone past them to essentially do a U-turn and follow them up. And he'd instructed his his uh, the squadron to basically stay in line with him, but you know to take whatever measures they thought appropriate. Nelson was at the back of the column. And just captain. completely. Well, he realised that by the time they'd all gone around and, 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 and swung around in this one line, the Spanish were going to have escaped, or at least some of them would. So he decided to just turn immediately. And essentially, if you imagine it like a U, sort of do a crossbar straight across yeah. to cut off the Spanish escape, yeah. and immediately finds himself surrounded completely by six yeah. bigger Spanish ships. And the captain, the ship, the captain, gets more or less crippled. Now, uh, Captain Collingwood on the Excellent comes to back him up, and at one point... Can you, can you imagine that call as well? Yeah. How's it going? Are we all in line? Oh, for f- sake, Nelson! Nelson! <laughs> all right, all right, we've got to go after him. Exactly. So... That bloody Horatio's done it again! <laughs> So the captain is the, the ship. The captain, which I have to keep specifying, is, is call it HMS captain. HMS captain is is very close to the Spanish ship, the San uh, the San Nicholas. Collingwood in the HMS Excellent comes in between HMS captain and the San Nicholas, fires its broadside to the San Nicholas, more or less cripples her. She, in an attempt to escape from the Excellent, turns away and basically collides and becomes entangled with another Spanish ship called the San Jose. Nelson, in the more or less crippled HMS captain decides to just ram his yep. ship 
into the San Nicolas, boards it, and take takes it. it as a surprise, <laughs> and then thinking, well, hang on a second, it's it's literally physically entangled with the San Jose, uses the San Nicolas to run across the deck and board the San Jose, where the terrified Spanish officers immediately surrender. <laughs> And he essentially uses one Spanish ship as a bridge to take a second one as a prize, which became known as Nelson's Patent Bridge for Boarding First Rates. Yeah, I do, I do love... And the, this is the battle... You know, Tenerife. Oh, no. No, San, this is Cape St. Vincent. Cape St. Vincent, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do, I do love um, Nelson's uh, sort of improvisational tactics across his military career. Yes, yeah. I mean, there, there is a legend that is... Uh, I think I did some, myth, uh, some research into it, and it, it turns out it's uh, more of a myth... It, it, it happened, hmm. but it wasn't a tactic. It was like a happy coincidence uh, about him uh, firing the broadsides, firing the cannons on the down swing of the tide so that right. he could skip the cannonballs across the water oh, and yeah. go way further. He did do that once, but it was an accident. Right. Um, uh, apparently what actually happened was uh, the lieutenant in charge of the guns was like, Captain, we're definitely not. They're definitely out of range. And Nelson was like, "Do it anyway. Just fire. Like it, it'll be firing for effect." And they did it on the downturn, and this wave skimmed the cannonballs <laughs> and actually hit the target. Uh, uh, Nelson. <laughs> upon which the target were like, "Holy sh! I thought we were out of range," and then like started retreating and routing. He also used cannons at Tenerife as well mm. in a rather unusual way um, to bombard the walls, which had nobody had thought of, apparently. Oh, which well, just raise the elevation and... Yeah, yeah. Just, just to blow the shit out of them. Yeah. He was, he was one, of the, one of the first captains to go, why don't we shell them before we go in? Yeah. Like... We want to kill them. We don't want to take the city. I mean, this is the thing. A lot of his tactics were 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 like, really? in hindsight, like, yeah, why weren't they doing that the whole time? Exactly. I mean, one of his key things in Trafalgar. Well, it was considered ungentlemanly. Well, sure. But one of his key things in Trafalgar was attacking the the French and Spanish line perpendicular yeah. as opposed to straight on. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. He split the whole column into three by just pincering it. Yeah. Definitely do that. Yeah. And he's he does it in such a badass way as well. Yeah. And it's some of the his quotes, of course, the whole remove the remove the the useless limb, doctor, and the <laughs> I see no ships, Hardy. Exactly. Ridiculous. I mean, we've mentioned I see no ships twice now on this yes, podcast. That's true. We have not elaborated at all. Yes. Remind me that was that the Battle of Copenhagen. I think so, and basically everybody was ordered to retreat, and he was in command. Mm. And Copenhagen, by the way, was his second huge bombardment. And right. if you talk to a Danish person, they don't call it the Battle of Copenhagen, obviously. They call it the Bombardment of Copenhagen. And they right. are, like, the person I was talking to about it was pretty sore about it, um, still to this day. But, yeah, basically, uh, the... Danes were reinforced by a bunch of French ships. The order came through to retreat. Um, Hardy was like, hey, there are the ships, and then handed his telescope to Nelson. And Nelson put his telescope to his his dead eye. His right eye, yes. The eye that was shot out. Um, I think he still had the eyeball. He, he was still, blind yeah, in yeah, the eye, was, but the eye was still there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was an explosion, wasn't it? I, think, I don't know. I don't remember. But anyway, the eye was useless. Yes. And he put the telescope to that eye and went, I see no ships, by way of saying, we're not retreating, we're continuing the battle. And the thing is, that is a very badass quote, except what inevitably what must have happened next was Hardy going... No, you're, sir, you're using the wrong eye, sir. Sir, you're using the wrong... Sir, sir this is very sir, embarrassing. Sir, sir, I hate to do this, <laughs> but I think you're using the wrong eye. To which Nelson must have just gone... Hardy. Yes, Hardy, 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 <laughs> a moment. <laughs> Come here, Hardy. I, now, here's the thing, Hardy, I was deliberately using the wrong eye. And I, well, let me explain. I don't want to stop fighting. I bloody love, if there's one thing I bloody love, it's fighting. And I Especially do, and I, at sea. At sea, and I want to keep doing it. And look, I see those ships, and I want to fight I can, them. I can see them, I'm not blind. Well, I'm, not, I'm, only blind. I'm, I'm only half blind. I'm only half blind, Hardy. I can see their ships, I don't even need the telescope. I can see, they're there, I can see them. But I want to keep fighting, you see. So I'm going to tell everybody else that I didn't see them. <laughs> Which isn't true, I did. And then we're going to win the battle. Do you understand, Hardy? 
Do you get that through your thick skull, Hardy? Also, now kiss me, but uh, yes. <laughs> also kiss me, Hardy. <laughs> now kiss me. Now <laughs> uh, that's another quote from Nelson. I'm sure we'll go into that another time. Almost oh, certainly. I imagine. I imagine when we do Trafalgar Square, the Trafalgar, Trafalgar Square Trafalgar will probably crop up. It also comes up in uh, Somerset House, of course. Of course, so we, yeah. We, we might do that. Uh, anyway. Shall we get back to Marble Arch? Yes, none of which has anything to do with, the <laughs> with Marble Arch. Arch. But yes, d- d- just to clarify, that Capes and Vincent Freeze, which again you can go and see, was supposed to be on the Marble Arch. So um, it does have something to do with the Marble Arch? Yes, but... The, so you're but, lying? But, 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 d- d- but our description... How can of, I trust anything our description of how badass Nelson was. <laughs> yes, there you go. Um, if, if you ask me if I'm Camp Wellington or Camp Nelson... And definitely Kemp Nelson. But I feel like it is a case of die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Arguably, yes. Because <laughs> I'm not saying Nelson was completely... Like, he, he wasn't the nicest guy in the world. Do you reckon at the end of the Battle of Waterloo, Wellington was like, I'm... I'll be honest, I didn't think I was going to survive this. <laughs> Damn. Become Prime Minister, I suppose. <laughs> so, what's left? What's left? <laughs> I'll fire that John Nash for a start. <laughs> as soon as I get the chance. Uh, now, what will not have escaped your notice, I'm sure, is that the Marble Arch is not at that, at that east wing portion of Buckingham Palace because it was moved. Well, we mentioned right at the beginning it's, it's on the corner of Hyde Park and the end of Oxford Street. Indeed. It was, it was fully completed, by the way, in 1833. Wait, they completed it in place where it was at Buckingham Palace. And then moved in thirty three. The gates were added in eighteen thirty seven. It stood at that east face of Mar- of Buckingham Palace for seventeen years. Oh. Until eighteen fifty. And that is when they decided to move it. Now here we come to one of the very famous myths about the Marble Arch. Oh, is this gonna be about Victoria? Exactly, because yeah, there is yeah, a yeah. common myth. And the thing is when you do when you do research and reading about Marble Arch it's basically a 50-50 split between people saying it was moved because it wasn't wide enough for Victoria's coach and the other 50, uh, 50% saying it, people say it was moved because it wasn't wide enough for Victoria's coach but that's a load of steaming <laughs> and then they don't tell you why it was actually moved. No, well, the reason it was moved is quite simple. They were expanding Buckingham Palace even further. They built that east wing. Right, the east wing that it, it was stood in yeah. place. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, moved because yeah. it was in the way. And, and, uh, and it was going to be too close to the well, building. Well, why didn't they just shuffle it? Like, they didn't have to move it all the way up to the other end of Hyde Park. They could have, like. Nobody wanted it. <laughs> they just got rid of it. So it was, it was moved. And now, just going back to the coach thing, by the way. I mean, you can go and see the gold state coach that was Victoria's coach. It's in the Royal Mews. And the arch is pretty big. I, I happen to know that the arch is approximately 14 feet across. Do you know how I know that? I don't know, because you don't know how tall it is. No, but, I, but it's much easier to measure how wide it is with your own two feet. Right, OK. Which I, I did. Sure. Two days ago. Oh, you, 14 paces. You had quite an adventure two days ago. <laughs> I did. 14 paces. 14 paces. Toe to toe across. That's the width of the Marble Arch. And now, I don't know exactly how wide the coach is, but there's did... no way it's wider than 14 feet. Yeah, exactly. And do you know how I also know it's not wider than You're 14 so feet? You're so angry about this. But that, <laughs> what is madness about this is the fact that anybody still thinks this is true. Yeah. The coach has been through the arch <laughs> for the coronation procession of Queen Victoria in 1838. That coach went through the arch. And do you know what? If it you... did it again in 1953 for the coronation procession of Queen Elizabeth II's coronation. He's so it's the angry. same coach. He's there so is angry. video footage. You can find black and white video footage from 1953 of that coach going through the arch. <laughs> He's apoplectic. Ludicrous. <laughs> Coach was too wide. Idiots. It's not true. <laughs> it's demonstrably. It's literally demonstrably, demonstrably not, true. not true. So it was just moved because... It, it was in the way. Because Victoria didn't like it. Uh, well, because presumably if she liked it, they could have moved it a good, say, 50 feet. Well, yeah. That Pre- way. Presumably what happened was she said, you're going to have to move that arch, aren't you, to build that new... And they were like, well, Mum, we could move it a couple of feet away and it's a no, no, <laughs> you're going to have to move the arch. Well, yes, but we're going to move like, the, cl- the click of a pistol. <laughs> Hardy, Hardy, a moment, Hardy. <laughs> a moment, Hardy. Um, a moment, Mr. Bloor. I don't like this f***ing arch, <laughs> and I don't want it in my house. Now, I know you could move it just 50 feet the other way, but I want it gone. <laughs> Do you understand? Get it away. 
Take it away. They did take it away, and they took it, as we mentioned earlier on, to the northeast corner of Hyde Park, which is, as you said, at the, the very western end of Oxford Street. What is now Oxford, Oxford Street? Street yes, which was uh, which? Oh no, it would have been at the time. Well, previously it had been the Tyburn Road, it, it, but it became Oxford Street in the 18th century. Well, there you go. Yeah. So, yeah. It previously been the Tyburn Road, and the area that is now known as Marble Arch used to be known as Tyburn after the Tyburn River, and. Uh, the well, Tyburn sure, Tree. The Tyburn Tree, very famous area for hangings. I imagine we'll probably talk about the Tyburn River and the hangings another time. Definitely an episode in that. I yeah. know, but next week I know that the Tyburn Tree comes up oh, t- tangentially. Yeah, and also, I mean, also the Tyburn itself has, you know, it's, it's had some interesting, mm-hmm. interesting bits mm-hmm. and pieces. Um, yeah, so we'll we'll talk on another occasion. I'm sure we'll talk about Tyburn itself, but that is the area which is now known as Marble Arch. So it's moved there in a matter matter of three months. It was Thomas Cubitt moved it. Famous oh, for building yeah. houses in, uh, in Belgravia. Belgravia. In mm-hmm. Yeah, he moved it in three months. It's 1851. Uh, it was moved there. Just in time, of course, for... 1851. Hyde Park, 1851. Hyde Park. Oh, Hyde... Um... The Great Exhibition. Oh, the Great Exhibition. The Great Exhibition of Do the Works of Industry of All Nations. <laughs> no, yeah, okay. All right. Hyde Park, 1851. Oh, the Great Exhibition, of course. Dirty bastard. <laughs> The Great Exhibition of the Works of Industry of All Nations. Indeed. So that was it was just in time for that. And it was, by the way, actually a, pa- a park gate originally. Yeah. By which I mean I know literally the gates went around it. But then they had to move it again, right? Well, no, they didn't move the arch. They moved the gates. Right. Because uh, they remodelled the park in 1908. And then it further got re- remodelled in 19, the 1960s because they, they re- redesigned the traffic system. Because uh, obviously around there there's a lot of cars. Or land boats, if you prefer. <laughs> So it's been, it's been it got even more isolated in nineteen. So what? Uh, so basically, what you're telling me is that the Victorians looked at the Marble Arch and went, "Do you know what this would be good for? Middle of a roundabout." No, what I'm telling you is that people of the 1960s thought, "Do you know what this would be oh, good for? Enough. Middle of a roundabout." Middle of a roundabout. It also, by the way, and I think you mentioned this earlier, it architecturally balanced the Wellington Arch, which is at the southeast corner of High Park. What do you mean architecturally balanced? Well, you know, it's, it's symmetry, isn't it? Well, no. <laughs> Not exact <laughs> symmetry, more or less. It's not symmetry at all. It's it's at least it's at most symbolic symmetry. All right, there you go. Symbolic symmetry. At either end of Park Lane, we're going to have an arch. That's nice. People like bookends. <laughs> People do like bookends. It's true. Wellington Arch is a at different angle. B significantly larger. I'm not saying it was C- well executed. <laughs> <laughs> C actually has a statue on top of it. Uh, yes, but not. But I'm, the, sh- but not but the I'm sure. We'll, yep, yeah, not the original statue. Older shot. I'm got sh- there in eighteen. We know. We know. Well, you, well, you Everybody do. knows. <laughs> Everyone listening it's knows. The most famous thing <laughs> is that statue of the Duke of Wellington was moved to Older shot in eighteen eighty-three. Well, I'm sure we'll pick that up in an episode yeah. about the Duke of Wellington place yeah. and about Peace and Hill Quadriga, which is interesting statue. As well. Indeed, but that's why that's why it's in its current location. Now, another thing that people t- will tell you quite a lot about the Marble Arch if you look into it, and again, it's weird how many times you'll find this repeated, is people saying, the only people who are allowed to walk through the Central Arch are senior royals and the King's Troop Royal Horse Artillery. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm sh- sure probably that was the case. But when it's definitely it was... open to the public. Yeah! yeah it's definitely like, like, millions of to... people go through it. You only have to glance at it. Exactly. Like, yeah. You and I have both gone through that arch. But, and yet you would be amazed. I mean, admittedly, you're a member of the King Street Royal Artillery. I am, but I'm and, not. You're, and you're a senior royal. <laughs> <I'm> a senior <laughs> royal. <laughs> but you'd be amazed about the number, the number of, of people and books and things that even today will be like, the only people who go through the Middle Arch. Like, they, like they've, they've read that and repeated it without going and looking at the Marble Arch. Uh, we're London's Mythbusters. Realizing it's uh, it's not true. Yeah. The other the other kind of myth about it is a lot. Um... Is that true? That's not true of the Wellington Arch, though. What do you mean? As well, it used to be true of the Wellington Arch as well. Yeah, but again, you can walk through them. You can walk through it now. And of course, the horse guards generally go through it when they're coming to and from Hyde Park Barracks. Yes. Uh, two horse guards parade. Mm-hmm. Um, for the changing of the guard. What for the changing of the horse guard? Anyway, continue. Anyway. Uh, another thing that people say about it, which is kind of only half true, is that it contained a very small police station. Yes. Thing is, which had a cat. Oh, I didn't, the cat I didn't know about. Oh, yeah, yeah. What What certainly is true is that there are there are currently three accessible rooms inside the arch. 
um, up at the top, on the top level above the arch, there's two small ones on the side, which are lit by three windows. If you look at the current arch, there is nothing on the two ends, yeah, apart from three say. little kind of porthole windows, which oh, are right. like, those would, like those rooms, and the central room is lit by skylights. The thing is, it was never a police station in the sense that you couldn't lock people up there, you couldn't go and report crimes to police there. It was used by the police as basically like accommodation, sleeping quarters, and as a lookout post they could use it for as well. So for they, what? For, for Hyde Park? For, for, for Speaker's Corner. For Speaker's Corner, Because yeah. things would often kick off at Speaker's Corner. In actual fact, here's a bit of fun for you, 1855, uh, the Sunday trading riots. Right. And uh, around then is when Karl Marx was famously at Speaker's Corner. Oh, right, okay. Right. But um, I, I couldn't tell you the year. But 1855 was the Sunday trading riots, where people were rioting about the, about the banning of trade on Sundays, which was, for many, in many cases, the only day that they weren't working and could go and do trade. So there were riots, and what the police did is they had a load of people holed up inside Marble Arch. Oh, man. No one knew they were there, so they waited until, like, the maximum number of rioters were all gathered around Marble Arch and then Trojan horse the <laughs> shit out of them. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, and it, was con- it continued to have some police use until the 1950s, but it was never a true police station. It was just, you know, a sort of police room a that book. they could access. Uh, it's sort of like a, a lookout box. Yeah, basically. Um, absolutely. Yeah. Sentry box. That's what I want to say. Sentry yeah, box. a sentry. Exactly. Sentry yeah, box. Yeah, yeah. Uh, although I believe that I believe there was a more substantial police station in the Wellington Arch, but again, I'm sure we'll talk about that. Maybe that's the um, one that had the cat. Maybe quite possibly. I, mean, I, I think it is. Yes. Um, just to mention, by the way, in terms of what did end up on the arch, just to kind of to kind of finish up. Well, there's there's two more things. Uh, in terms of what is actually on the arch, um, it's quite sparse, really. On the north side, uh, that's the side that did end up being designed by uh, Richard Westmacott. Two small panels, one showing human personifications of England, Scotland and Wales. The other one uh, is uh, Peace and the Trophies of War. Those mm-hmm. are the two freezes on the north side. On the south side, which is the Edward Hodges Bailey designed side, you've got, again, two small panels, one showing Peace and Plenty, one showing valour and virtue. And when I saw the Marble Arch just yesterday, there was also... A Not two days ago. If I, it was actually yesterday. Uh, I did the yeah. National Gallery two days ago Marble Arch yesterday. There was at that time, hanging just underneath one of those freezes, a Charmander. Because a, char- a stuffed <laughs> Charmander, because clearly somebody had got a Charmander from Winter Wonderland and for some reason thrown it up. So it As got, in the Pokemon. It, in the Pokemon, and it got impaled on the anti bird <laughs> spikes. So just, just that Charmander hanging there. I'll show you a picture of it in a moment. <laughs> yeah, right. That's not for you, listener, that's just for Leah. Oh, and on the gates, by the way, there's three symbols on the gates. At uh, the top is a lion. In the middle, this is going downwards, top of the lion. Middle is the cipher of King George IV. Bottom is uh, George slaying the dragon. Okay, uh, why are you so angry about there being a Charmander on Marble Arch? I'm not angry, I just thought it was... Well, I mean, I am angry because it's massively you are disrespectful. Angry. Yeah, exactly. And also, why, is it disrespectful? why have you wasted the Charmander? Nobody wanted won? the Marble Arch anyway. Yeah. yeah, that's more disrespectful. Why have you wasted that Charmander? Yeah, you, with your Pokemon Go, you would have loved that, wouldn't you? Yeah. Imagine, if you're on your phone, it'd be like, oh, there's a Charmander. Oh, it's there in real life! <laughs> the game's come to life! That's kind of what the idea was. <laughs> You know, it, it utilises the camera on your phone. So. Yeah, but the point is, when you put the phone down, there's not an actual <laughs> Pokemon there. I'm, I'm well, suggesting... that really depends on how many hallucinogens you've had. I'm suggesting a kind of comedic scenario, whereby, <laughs> whereby you, are, you are looking at your phone and you can see on the screen a Charmander from the Marble Arch, and you're like, ha oh, ha ha, Charmander. And then as you put the phone down, you look up and see there is actually a, a stuffed Charmander there. No, I understand. And it's very funny. No, I understood. And it's a comedic episode. Why, is it, why it. is it funny, though? Uh, well, because that isn't that wouldn't be what you were expecting, right? I see. Of and comedy of, is the reversal of, of expectations. Well, in many cases, yes. Yes. And you, you probably would have laughed at that. Maybe. Or other people would have laughed at your expense. <laughs> Which having is more se- likely. Seen you going, ah, that's more. It's like- real. That's more likely. Let's yeah, be honest. Yeah, tourists around there would have gone. <clears throat> I always find people laughing at my expense. Uh, well, you shouldn't let him see your bank account. Sorry. <laughs> wow. Wow. Oh god, that was oh. I'm doing fine. Oh. Thank you. I, I'm just laughing at the terrible pun. Awful, awful pun. Your expense, you see. Never mind. No, but, I got it. Okay, we're almost done. Um, oh, Thank God. There is, there is Thank just, God, frankly. There's just one other very nice little... Nice as in specific or nice as in pleasant? What do you mean nice as in specific? Well, that's what nice used to mean, isn't it? When? 
That's what the original use of the word nice is. I repeat my question, when? Like, quite a long time ago. Right, why have you brought it up? <laughs> because it's the kind of thing you would use. I don't I didn't know that. Yeah, you would turn around and say, I was using nice in the original the, the, the term. I, have, I, I wouldn't, because I didn't know that was a thing. Well, there you are. It is the kind of thing like I, it's in, I did know it. It's in Shakespeare, for instance, as being precise. Right. Nice. Right. Good. Well, I'm glad you I'm glad you asked. I'll be careful about using very powerful and loaded words like nice. In <laughs> Thank you. That's all. All I want from you is a nice language. A bit, a bit more care and attention. Yeah, yes. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all I was going to say is that if you want to see what the inside of those rooms look like, if you're curious. All right. Well, this has been by. <laughs> you can find video footage. I watched this just yesterday uh, because in 1968, uh, Sir John Batchman. Uh, poet laureate at the time mm-hmm. uh, went inside the. He did a he did a, a special film um, called Marvel Arts to Edgeware. Listen, what we've all seen the Prince Regent and John Nash's wife special films. So we don't. <laughs> Good, but have you seen Sir John Betjeman's Marvel Arch to Edgeware? I have not. It's a little special he did, charting the journey from Marble Arch to... On foot? Edgeware. Uh, yes, I think he does it on foot. I'll be honest, I've only watched the Marble Arch bit. That's which a is long like journey. The first ten minutes. Um, but he did some... He uh, So he, you see footage of him. It's In fact, actually, as of the time of recording, it's on the BBC4 website. They've got it like archived. You can watch this thing. He goes into the, uh, the top of Marble Arch. You can see what it looked like uh, uh, in 1968. And he does a little poem, which he wrote for the occasion. Oh, you're going to read the poem, aren't of course you? I am. Oh, uh, I can tell. Talking about Marble Arch, like I'm not gonna f-ing read it. Okay, I, I am. Sure, here we are. I don't. I don't think he are officially. You ready? I don't think he officially. Have you talked. rehearsed this? Uh, no, actually, I've never said it out loud. So I might mess it up. Who knows? Um, so I don't think he officially titled it, but this is it: a poem about Marble Arch, performed well, in the Marble Arch by Sir John Betjeman in 1968. You ready? Surely, then, convention is either to call it untitled or to call it the first sentence of the poem. Untitled by Sir John Betjeman, 1968. Brackets, but it's about the Marble Arch. Close brackets. We ready? No, I'm I'm never ready for your poetry recitals. I've only ever done one once before, and that was Some of the Bridge of Sighs by Thomas Hood in the Waterloo Bridge episode. Glad you can remember that, because it was so long ago. (laughs) I love poems, man. Right, here we go. How beautiful the London air, how calm and unalarming. Well, he's wrong there. Well, I've... But there's quite a lot of lines, so <laughs> if we're going to critique everyone. How beautiful the London yeah. eye, how, how calm, calm and unalarming. unalarming. This height above the archway, square brackets, that's the marble arch, close brackets, where the prospects round are charming. Oh, come and take a stroll with me, and do not fear to stumble. Now, I want to pause and say that I don't think he was literally inviting... Hang on, so you have actually... You're, 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 you are commenting on every line. I stopped, because right. you told me to stop. All right, fine. We'll go back to the other line three. Oh, come and take a stroll with me, and do not fear to stumble. Great Cumberland, your place I see, I hear your traffic rumble. See Oxford Street on my left hand, a chasm full of shopping. Ha! <laughs> Below us, traffic lights command the starting and the stopping. No, I like that. I that think that's good. good. No, that's like good. some Will Smith No, I like... No. <laughs> like family-friendly rap. And on my right, the spacious park, so infinitely spacious, so pleasant when it isn't dark, but when it is... Good gracious. Okay. Which I assume is a reference to dogging. <laughs> Presumably. Also, he used spacious twice. In two and, weeks, so. Well, I mean, if we're critiquing, Hyde Park is, by its very very nature, finite as well. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike most parts. I'll carry on. What carriages below these skies come rolling by on Mondays? What church parades would greet the eyes here in Hyde Park on Sundays? That's a clever use of rhyme there. Mm-hmm. And tro- days and days, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And trodden by unheeding feet, a spot which memory hallows. You know where this is going, don't you? Yeah. Where Edgware Road meets Oxford Street stood, stood Tyburn's fearsome gallows. Lovely. Very good. Uh, we're about halfway through. <laughs> God help us. What martyrdoms this place has seen, what deeds much better undone. Yet still the greatest crime has been the martyrdom of London. Now, I'm not having that. <laughs> no, no, that's not bad. That, London quite... and London. Yeah. Oh, sure uh, well, it depends on your regional accent, doesn't it? But what is he talking about with the martyrdom of London? Oh, 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 is there a colon at the end? I see. For here, where once were pleasant fields, and no one in a hurry, 
Behold the harvest mammon yields of speed and greed and worry. Mm -hmm. The rights of man, the rights of cash, the left, the right, the centre. Come on, let's off and make a dash and meet it where we enter. The road that no one looks upon, except as birds of passage. O Edgware Road, be our abode and let us hear your message. Now that one actually doesn't. Right? Yeah, he's let himself down at the end. Yeah, he has. Um, that says a week later. Um, ma but, but, massage. But if it, <laughs> or passage. Or a bit, no, pass, passage. You can't rhyme passage with passage. Passage. No. Message. Passage. I guess it depends on the regional accent again, doesn't it? Um, but my point is... Glassage. Oh, glassage you if you're not careful. Oh. <laughs> um, the, I forgot what I was going to say. Nothing has changed in 50 years then. In no. fact, everything that he's saying, oh God, this is awful, yeah. has in fact got worse, worse. Yeah. In, in the in, last in, 50 in years. In the last 49 years, you're yeah. absolutely right. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for rounding one year. Oh, it's important to date this thing. So there you go. Bit of betjeman to finish up. And Thank that... You. Uh, I think so, you agree. So that's enough then. You're done? You've got nothing else on Marble Arch? I think that's... That's it? I think that's, I think that's all I would like to say about Well, it. thank you very much, Rob. You're very welcome. Yeah, and you have been Rob Frimston. I have. Mm -hmm. I, I've forgotten who I've been, but uh, some, some, someone. And... Leo West, that was it. <laughs> that was it. And uh, this has been By The Way. With Rob. With Rob. Oh. What? I thought I was going to... Well, the last time you were really pleased, I... Yeah, but the host says it. The host says it. You want to to say it. Yeah, because you were the host. Right. So I should say next time. Yeah, you should say next time. No, it doesn't seem to be. Maybe nobody's measured it, Rob. Maybe nobody has ever thought to think to go. Wonder how tall that is. Maybe we're breaking new ground here. Maybe we could write a PhD. <laughs> if you if you'd like. On the height of Marvel Arch. Yeah. Sorry, I'll 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 abandon this search because it seems to be weirdly fruitless. That's strange that the internet doesn't know how tall Marble Arch is. You would have thought that within like 30 seconds of Googling you could find out the answer to Less. Yeah. You know, but there we are. So anyway, this can Nobody all, knows. This, this, can all, this can all be snipped out. Uh, therefore...